Hey everyone, welcome to episode 63 of the Just Get Hired podcast, your go-to destination for navigating the ever-evolving landscape we call careers. Well, I'm your host, Jessica Fiesta-George. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Jody McPherson. She's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Work Simpler, and we're going to talk about the fascinating intersection between AI and entry-level jobs. If you're new to the show, maybe you've been around for a while, you know that this podcast is your ultimate resource for all things career-related. As technology continues to advance, there's a lot of buzz about how AI could potentially replace human roles. So when we think about entry-level positions, are these concerns justified or are there misconceptions that we should probably address? Well, before we get too serious, don't forget, follow me on social media. If you want to stay updated on future episodes and engage in conversation, click that subscribe button, share this episode with your friends. I would love to hear your thoughts and get your questions. Leave a comment, send me a message. I want to stay connected with you so we can navigate this exciting world of careers together. Well, in my first episode of 2024, if you didn't catch it yet, I introduced this little bottle called Magic Mind. If you want sustained energy, this is the first productivity shot on the market. It's made with a lot of natural ingredients. If you want to crush procrastination, crush brain fog, boost motivation and focus, it has organic matcha and a lot of other ingredients in here. That helps boost your energy, helps with inflammation, helps with stress. There's a lot of other ingredients to help your immune system. If you want to improve your memory and you love that flow state like I do throughout the day, it's a game changer. So it has been for me. I hope it can be for you too. You can find this online. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to Sprout stores nationwide now. But if you don't have a Sprout store and you want to just try it really quick, you can also go to magicmind.com backslash hired. That is my special link for you guys. And depending on when you listen to this episode, they always have different specials. So if you're following me on social media, if there's a special discount available, I'll share that code, but magicmind.com backslash hired. Tell me if it works for you. I'm going to continue to share this because I've been taking this since the new year and it's, I'm just jazzed up about it, but I'll put the links in the show notes um, and just tell me how it works for you. Well, if you want to stay energized and multitask throughout the day without fear of crashing, try it. Well, Jody is going to come on here in just a second. We're going to explore how AI is shaping the future of work. We're going to debunk myths. We're going to uncover opportunities if you're a job seeker or if you're an employer. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Brooks with Rocket Station. You're listening to the Just Get Hired podcast. I just get hired podcast fans. This is Rebecca Lee Doran. Hi, I'm George Murray, author of the book Hired. Cut your career search time in half. You're listening to the Just Get Hired podcast. Make sure that you like the podcast and share it with all your friends. I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, Just Get Hired podcast, grab a seat because I want to welcome in Jody McPherson. She's the co-founder of Work Simpler to the show. Hey, Jody. Hey, Jess. How are you? Great. I appreciate you being on the podcast, and I think our listeners are going to be really interested in this topic. So if you're ready, we're going to talk about entry-level hiring and the power of AI. Yeah, sounds great. All right. Well, 
to kick us off, uh, maybe you can give us a rundown about what is Work Simpler, what is it about, um, especially in terms of how it tackles workforce challenges for students and companies. Yeah, so Work Simpler is, is a new way of freelancing, leveraging student talent. They're a pretty untapped talent pool, and the demand for outsourcing and freelancing, particularly in entry-level jobs, is just growing by leaps and bounds. So what we do is more than matching. We actually uh, recruit and vet students, we train them, we place them directly in work, and then we monitor that work, which is really where um, freelancing can fall apart for people and become very risky is in monitoring and getting what you paid for. So we do that. We came out of the ed tech world. We, both my founder and I have college students. They need paid work experience. So we thought this was a good opportunity to bring the two sides together, businesses and students. And uh, it's kind of a win-win. Businesses get their work done in a, in a fast and uh, cost, um, cost-worthy framework and students get resume-worthy work to put on their um, portfolio. That's amazing. So how did you guys come up with this? What was the motivation? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, we, we left Pearson and we really wanted to do something to ease the transition from college to career. And as we explored uh, what was going on, we realized that the freelance marketplace is growing and companies are, are hiring, but also they're hiring freelancers to get certain types of work done. And we recognize that that's a match with students and our, our North Star is to get more students access to paid internships, resume-worthy work, and to get to students earlier in their career because often they're not getting that experience till later. So with that in mind, we set out to de-risk freelancing using students and, and remove some of the typical barriers and hurdles to entry on both sides. Okay. So how does work simpler, um, I guess just a basic, how does it work? Yeah, so students can sign up. They don't need a resume. We do a 10-minute chat. That's a combination of human and HI, uh, I call it, and uh, AI, right, to get some information. And then, um, and then they're ready to go. They're ready to be placed in work. And from a business standpoint, they reach out to us, and we help the businesses actually scope their work. So they might not know all the tasks associated with one part of the work, but they know they need to do a competitive analysis. So we do things like online research, data entry, data cleansing, uh, lead gen, things that are, are basic and often the setup for more analytics or more um, higher order challenges for somebody at work to do. So we help them break down the work. And then what we do is we put the students in and we monitor so that the company doesn't have to. And for the company, it's, it's a relatively low cost way of getting stuff done. And, uh, and it's the risk is removed because they're we're benchmarked against the output and they're not at the mm -hmm. mercy of a freelancer. So you mentioned AI, but I like the HI yeah. <laughs> factor behind it. Um, maybe you've coined a new terminology, um, AI and HR. Um, that's awesome. Well, so AI, you know, speaking of it has, rapidly transformed a lot of different industries and we're still being introduced to new technologies um, in the workforce. Do you have any examples of how AI can be integrated into the hiring and onboarding process in different industries and maybe what impact it would have on the overall recruitment experience? Yeah, I mean, I think I think most people are familiar with some type of, or may, may be familiar with some type of uh, applicant tracking system. That's the mm -hmm. predominant AI tool that's used. And what it does for hiring managers is it screens out people based on skills. And um, the challenge with that right now is that sometimes job descriptions are poorly written. 
-hmm. and, and even resumes can be poorly written. So if you're trying to develop a, a match and both sides of the equation are a little bit sketchy in terms of the right skills, the right words, you may, you may miss out on people who could be good fits because they don't have the right uh, words in their resume and or you may not have created a job description that is seeking talent and skills and fit. Uh, so that that's the pre predominant one right now in hiring. More are coming. You're seeing a lot of tools like we do have an AI tool for interviewing and practice interview questions where the AI records it. It will give suggestions to students for how to improve it and also sends a report back. And so that's a way to have a humanless intervention um, prior to getting to the interview process. And I, I think what companies are trying to do is is reduce the amount of human intervention to get to a smaller mm -hmm. pool of candidates. And the challenge is sometimes they're weeding out people inadvertently um, through a, a system that uh, is dependent on the input being accurate on both sides of the equation. Okay. Well, how do we preserve that personal touch in the recruitment process and attract top talent if you are using that level of AI? I like the fact that you're doing some form of interview feedback because I think that's important. I wish it was available maybe it is available to everybody, yeah. but, um, you know, how can we preserve that personal touch um, if we are using AI to attract talent? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the, of the user journey or the customer journey. And I think about there are appropriate times in that journey where AI can be beneficial and demonstrate real efficiencies. And I think that the key with AI though, is it, it's largely as good as the input or the prompt you know, sure. and then there's some refinement at the end of it. So if we rely on it 100%, uh, it, it can be very risky as a hiring manager. The way that we like to preserve it is to kind of flip the, the workflow. So you have a touch of AI up front, and that mm -hmm. generates confidence and trust from both sides. And then leveraging AI kind of in the middle part of the process to, mm -hmm. to have people answer questions, to get those questions well-documented into a system, you know, where, where you have a taxonomy of, of skills and responses that you can look at and summarize and synthesize, and then mm -hmm. go back to the, the, what I call the HI, the human touch. And I think what I see happening more and more is that, that, that intervention up front is not dependent on any human. And that's really hard. That's why people say things like, well, you're, you're, best shot of getting a job is if you have a referral from someone in the company because there's a personal mm -hmm. touch, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we replicate that at scale? And we think one of the ways is just reducing the amount of time that that HI is up front, but still having it, you know, okay. and then leveraging AI through the process so that you then start to, to uh, whittle down your talent options. And then you have uh, some, some structured kind of interviews and conversations. And the other thing I just want to say about interviewing is that most of us don't hire tons and tons of people. I mean, even if you're a manager at a company, you may have five or six direct reports, maybe even 10. But think about that. Like, even if I have, if I run an organization with 50 people, I may be interviewing three people for jobs. Mm -hmm. so it's not like we're skilled and experts at it. And the other um, challenge is that often it goes through HR who may not be the hiring manager and may not know exactly the day-to-day -day for good fits. So like an example would be, you know, testing people and how they respond and react under pressure. And you can mm -hmm. ask people that and they're going to answer it, but that's really a dialogue. So the question is, where can the human dialogue become most valuable to refine the AI results? 
and we think it's it's a workflow challenge. And we see HR leaning into this because the cost of a poor hire is so great for an organization, oh, both in time and money. Absolutely. Now you hear this all the time about how AI might take over entry-level jobs or even, you know, higher level jobs, but entry-level positions, I keep hearing it more and more. We have automation at the fast food counters now where you just walk up to a kiosk and order and there's not that human interaction. Um, Are you experiencing or have you come across any challenges that students face when they're curious about how AI could potentially replace them in the workforce? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think you see scenarios with AI that are have a wide range, right? Sometimes it it gives the parents it could take over and do something better, like a chat GPT writing writing mm-hmm. a blog post or an essay. And uh and other times, you know, like the kiosk you're talking about where you have fewer entry level jobs available in favor of kind of automating or even online orders, right? Online mm-hmm. orders and people sure. pick it up. Um what we, we think is going to happen with entry-level jobs, entry-level jobs across industries are generally knowledge-based jobs, right? Where they're, they contain, um, whether, it, whether it's cybersecurity or agriculture, they contain a dimension of knowledge-level jobs, mm-hmm. such as online research, data organization, um, data cleansing. And because of that, uh, even if you leverage AI, whether it's fireflies for note-taking in a meeting or beautiful AI and presentations mm-hmm. or chat GPT for that matter to develop blogs, AI is still pretty dependent on a couple of things. And one is the prompts or the input. And okay. the second is the refinement. So AI isn't perfect. It doesn't always give you completely accurate information. So at some point, somebody has to be the one entering uh, the prompt for the AI in the context of what the business or the organization is trying to do. And then that same someone has to have an ability to refine it and detect if the AI has provided, you know, um, frivolous information, non-accurate information. And you see this a lot with students using it for ChatGPT with essays, Mm -hmm. right? The best students and teachers are leveraging it to get a head start. But ultimately, the synthesis and the key points come from the work that the the students done. And entry-level work is, is very similar to that. And the mm-hmm. other piece of this with, with AI and entry-level work is that um, it almost requires people to become better at problem um, framing than okay. problem solving. And problem framing is a different skill, right? It's, it's contextualized, and it means you really understand what you're trying to get. And that harnessing that can make prompts really good. So here's an example. A lot of people need to do, to do research online. You can do it organically with people going to a website and getting data, or you can use tools like an Octoparse or something like that, which scrapes data based on criteria that you give it. Now, the computer, you know, the AI is not going to change. It's going to do exactly what you ask it to. So at the end, in refinement, you may have gotten some materials from websites that don't meet the criteria or, or some things in the wrong places. And that's one of the reasons having the best prompts helps to reduce the refinement at the end, but no matter what, there's still a human being that needs to touch it in order to, to make sure that it's accurate. And I think the other piece I just want to say about AI and entry-level jobs is it's not cheap. AI is mm-hmm. rather expensive to use and um, it's not going away, but you're going to continue to see entries into the market mm-hmm. uh, in coding, 
and documentation mm -hmm. is a big one and entry level work, but it's not perfect. And so the question is, how will it impact those entry level jobs? What will someone need to do right. versus having to solve a problem from scratch? They're going to need to frame it, identify it, frame it, and then solve it, maybe using part of AI and maybe mm -hmm. combining it with other things. So that requires a human element. So I think you're going to see shifts <clears throat> from that perspective. The interesting thing on this is for students, anyone 18 to 27, AI is almost like a user interface. Like they don't know any different. Someone right. my age <clears throat> is not really thinking that way. That's going to be hard for me to know what tools to use and how to use them. So the other piece yeah. of this is a generation coming into the workforce that's really comfortable and confident. Reminds me mm -hmm. of when CRMs became very popular prior to that. Nobody, everyone used massive Excel spreadsheets to right. organize customer data. And then CRMs became a great organizer and then became tools around efficiency for different things. But it took time and it took mm -hmm. um, both the, the people in the entry level jobs understanding mm -hmm. that interface and the people in higher level jobs who understand the context and the why to come mm -hmm. together and leverage those tools for the maximum input. True. Well, okay. So diversity and inclusion is a crucial aspect in the modern workforce. How can you leverage AI if you're using that um, to improve diversity hiring practices and just make sure that you have a more inclusive workplace? Yeah. I mean, no matter uh, what job you apply for now, if you've, ever, if you've been applying recently for things, you're always going to get some kind of demographic information. Right. Um, <clears throat> some is required, some is optional. You can always say, do you not wish to answer? I mm -hmm. think that um, that gives people insight into into uh, the, their hires from a DEI perspective. But what it doesn't do is match that with the skills, right? So, so you still kind of fall short. And I think that we're, we're going to see more opportunities, particularly with students. For us, we're trying to give more visibility to students to how to do this. So if you take mm -hmm. that visibility and expand it across any career changer or anyone looking for a job, part of the gap comes from visibility on both sides, right? And a couple of questions around your gender and your ethnicity don't fix that. It has to be more succinct. And, uh, and I think the key and what we try to do with students is give visibility to all students, not just graduating mm -hmm. students, not just um, those in, in the primary uh, regions where internships are large, right? But also mm -hmm. those in rural areas first-generation students so that they know the playing field. And the more they know the playing field, the more they can uh, identify in their uh, resume and in their application how they can benefit where they come from, their background, not just as a set of questions, but more, you know, it's really impressive to talk to somebody who is a first-generation student who makes it through college and didn't really have somebody guiding them through the ins and outs of college itself, not just the classes, but paying and organizing and so forth. So I think that the sweet spot is is really helping people understand how AI is being used to reduce the talent pool and how they can present themselves across all the application, a cover letter, mm -hmm. a resume, a portfolio, and in the same vein, how AI can look for those pieces mm -hmm. across the body of work that somebody submits versus just in three questions. Well, if the companies are relying on using AI for making decisions when it comes to hiring, are there any ethical considerations or what kind of biases do you see um, that would need to be addressed? 
Yeah, I mean, this is true with AI and even in, in regular hiring practices. I, I think there are bias, and I think that mm -hmm. we're aware of them. What we don't necessarily see a lot of is um, is how to solve for that, right? And that goes back mm -hmm. to the comment I made about the how much practice do people really get interviewing and sourcing mm -hmm. talent? And the short answer is not a lot. That's a pretty consistent theme across industries. So if we want to remove that, we have to bring visibility to it and then give people mm -hmm. better questions to ask, whether they're using AI or, or whether they're using, you know, an AI interview tool or they're doing it with a human touch. Uh, the better the quality of the questions to get at that, you know, the, it removes the bias. And I, I think some of that has, you know, has to do with with um, like companies like top grading, right, who, who coach mm -hmm. you how to hire A players. You know, they're a right. process oriented company, not just not just using ATS to, to reduce it. So the only way to fix that is to bring visibility and then give people alternative tools. And really mm -hmm. an interview, whether it's human or artificial intelligence, is really a series of prompts. You ask a series of questions, you get results, you analyze those results. So in that case, if, if a human being interviewing is using prompts and AI is using it, then there could be some great synergies with the results that they're getting by blending right. the two. Right. Okay. Well, as far as the future of AI, it's going to stick around. We're not going right. anywhere. I think it's here to stay. It's just going to continually evolve. And 10 years from now, even five years from now, I mean, the, the tools that we currently have are going to be exponentially better and it's just going to continue to build. Are you seeing any notable trends or different innovations when it comes to how the future of work will be on either hiring new employees or onboarding new employees? Yeah, in fact, I just said to someone the other day, uh, it's one thing, it's gonna be really critical for HR, HR within an organization to understand the tools the organization is using and mm -hmm. how to onboard and train efficiently. And that's always been a challenge is training around culture, fit and tools. And because the tools are coming so fast, companies mm -hmm. may be making quick decisions and the tools that they use may not have great training materials behind them. And so sure. I think as companies decide what to use, they need to start involving HR more in that so that HR can uh, improve screening questions and also improve the onboarding should somebody get hired. Because a hiring manager often, as I said before, is not going to know every detail of the tools. And because AI is growing so fast, tools are coming out left and right without a lot of documentation and without a lot of support and training. So that's an area of risk. I think the other thing with AI, and it's here to stay for sure, is you know we're on the upslope of it. Everyone thinks it's going to have massive impact. There was just new legislation around it, and mm -hmm. I think I think there's a lot to be determined. It's here to stay, but the impact will vary by industry and by effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And so when mm -hmm. I think about it in the work in the workplace, um, I want somebody who's familiar. If I'm going to make a hire with the concept of a presentation not mm -hmm. just one presentation tool. So I want them to understand the value of Canva, PowerPoint, and beautiful AI as an mm -hmm. example. So they can translate it as the tools come and go because a lot of tools are coming from small businesses. They may not be here in five years. And sure. other tools, like you see Apple really stepping back in releasing their AI strategy and companies like Zoom, which does recordings, mm -hmm. have now introduced AI transcripts and and a way for if people come in late to a meeting, they can get caught up. So you see some right. of the bigger players introducing it as a component of their platform. That mm -hmm. trend is probably going to continue because 
there you can gain real efficiencies. Think about a Zoom meeting, you come in late, instead of saying, hey, catch me up, you can click a button and you kind of get caught up and that, that just, it, it's very effective. It's the new, brand new tools that sit outside that I think are gonna pose the most challenge for people, both from a training perspective, a knowledge perspective and a value. And like any new tool, oftentimes, uh, the level of effort to get it up and running is pretty sophisticated. So it's mm -hmm. imperative that HR, HR and hiring managers are aware of that and they build that into the onboarding. And, okay. uh, and that also that we don't always place the health of an employee in an organization completely dependent on the technology if it's new. So mm -hmm. there's a lot, a lot of things that are going to happen. Uh, it's some people predict it will be everything. Some people are, you know, really, you know, when I sit on panels and interviews, they say it's not not going to change this or that. I don't think anyone really knows, you know, but it, it is not an inexpensive proposition. It sounds really good. And sometimes it is, you know, I get mm -hmm. notes from a meeting that I don't document that that's really helpful to me. Other times it's a headache. And I I think for um, the other pieces that there's often a gap between hiring managers and HR, right, because mm -hmm. HR is central to an organization. And uh, I think that has to get smaller so that decisions are made mm -hmm. that help both parties. And I don't think people are thinking about it that way. I think they're just thinking mm -hmm. about the tools and it can send 100 prompts and do this versus, <laughs> well, how do I make sure that everyone knows how to do it? We're doing it systematically and it's helping my organization uh, not creating barriers and uh, inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you stay on top of what's trending today? Uh, you are seem very up on what's happening in the workforce. So any yeah. suggestions? Yeah. I mean, I, I do subscribe to a number of newsletters. There's a, okay. some really goodies out there and I follow some folks. And what I recommend to people is to not just get locked into one, but mm -hmm. follow a couple of different newsletters who have different perspectives, some about hiring, some about onboarding, some about just using it and the effectiveness that blend kind of keeps me seeing some new entries in the market, helps me see what mm -hmm. bigger companies are doing. And, and then of course I'm immersed in the hiring um, and recruitment of students right now. So I'm really focused on what impact does it have for somebody who's in a college or certificate program? How do they explain that to, to people in a very dated workforce, right? There's a lot right. of um, ambiguity there and it's just consistently being aware of it, but also not taking anything as, um, this is absolute and the way it is, because I think it's all perspectives and, and I think it's, if you really want to stay tight with it, it's just, it's keeping an eye on it, but really within, within a frame of a particular way, because often articles talk about coding AI and then entry level work AI and then medical technology AI, and they're not all equal, right? So, right. you know, one of the nicest things from a medical standpoint, for example, is having your um, having portable records. That's a, that's a great use of, of AI in different ways and completely different than a use case around um, entry-level coding. So I think the other piece is kind of understand your use case because that helps you see if it's applicable to you or mm -hmm. not. And then think about all the places AI could be uh, applicable within the workforce from hiring to executing, you know, to training and onboarding. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. The dogs are loving the AI conversation. Hopefully we never replace dogs with computer <laughs> <know>. learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's next for Work Simpler? What it, you know, what what is next for you guys and how do we find your uh company and get connected? 
Yeah, thank you for that. Um, we're actually getting ready to introduce an AI interview tool for students up front that actually uh, gets gains their responses and then gives them feedback. And we're also expanding to, we have about 200 schools. Our goal is to expand to about 500 next year and, and get to more small to mid-sized businesses, particularly in HR and where where people are trying to figure out how to outsource and give them options to outsource more effectively. And okay. our website, uh, which I know you'll include, is WorkSimpler, W-O-R-K-S-I-M-P-L-R.com. And there's quite a few case studies on there and, and quite a few pieces of information uh, that you can look at before you even get started. But what we're trying to do is make freelancing to de-risk it and make it easier on both sides. So get rid of the, the hurdles for students. Students often don't have a resume, so get, having them join right. without needing it is one. And businesses often have a really hard time, myself included, offloading things because I know what I want, but I may not be able to describe it. And I right. think that's where our automation comes in and helps people describe it. They go from plain speak, we translate it using a taxonomy, and then we create the documentation for somebody to sign off on. And that that tends to be a lot easier than having to build it from scratch. You know, I think that's that's right. what we're trying to do is reduce the barriers and say, hey, this is doable, give it a shot at a reasonable price. And if it works, keep doing it because you can't go to a job board today like Indeed or LinkedIn or Monster and not see hundreds of thousands of entry-level jobs or freelance jobs or temporary data entry jobs. There's just such a huge need for this type of work to be done. And the other piece of this that's interesting too, it's often remote. So yeah. after COVID, you know, there's a dimension of self-management that has to be nurtured in in the from the student side because the 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 risk for a business is they hire someone in a remote they can't even just go in and chat with them right, right. so there's some there's a dimension of communication and self-management that we have to get really right in order for people to offload and uh, you mm -hmm. know uh, freelance things especially in a remote environment okay so if you're a student listening Check out Work Simpler if you're an employer and you're listening. I think there's a lot of great value that you can find uh, by partnering with you. So I will make sure that we add all of the links to uh, find you on the website, uh, justgethired.com, also in the show notes. Um, but Jody, I appreciate you being a part of the show. Thank you so much for your insight. I think this was such an awesome topic, and I hope our listeners got a lot out of it. I know I did. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great questions and happy happy to share that with everyone.